This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Since our last show, we have found out that offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach Troy Walters is no longer with the team by ways of mutually agreed to part ways. In his place, Matt Lubick returns to football to become the Huskers' new offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. Uh, Derek, any thoughts on Troy Walters leaving the team under mutually agreed to part ways? Uh, I don't know what that means. I, I somehow doubt that if this was Troy Walters' idea. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's tough to say. I, we've struggled with, with wide receivers. But the problem is we haven't had wide receivers here. We, we did good in uh, uh, not last year but the year before when we had Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spillman out there. But once we lost J- uh, Stanley Morgan, we didn't have nothing last year. We thought we did, according to Troy Walters, and maybe that's part of the problem. Is he led us to believe that we had more wide receivers that were capable of playing than what we really did? Uh, so, so I don't know. Uh, I, I, good luck to the guy. I hope I hope the best for him. I I think he's a good coach, just maybe not fit for Nebraska. Tyler, your thoughts on Troy Walters? Oh, I'm a little surprised, and it, it's not because of how I thought he was doing. I just the, the the way that this whole thing played out. I just I for a mutually agreed upon separation. Like in my mind, that is a conversation when he's like, "Well, I, I'm not gonna fire you, or I'll, I'm gonna fire you if you don't quit." Like that. That to me is a mutually agreed upon separation. Like it. If he was just going to leave because he didn't want to coach, I think there would have been a whole different way that had been presented. This, this was his, him being shown the door. Um, you know, to Derek's point, like I do, I, you know, I know I, I have no animosity towards him. I don't think the guy was a complete bum as a coach. You know, that wide receiver core, I think you can look at it and say that was underdeveloped. Um, you know, I don't know what the talent was there, but. You know, I think going into the year, we felt we were in a better spot at wide receiver than it actually played out. Um, and, and obviously, he shares a lot of that responsibility. You know, as the offensive coordinator, he shared the responsibility of some of the game planning. You know, I know a lot of people say, well, Scott Frost calls the plays. What does he do? He is obviously an integral part in that game planning. So, he, he you know, so any of the slumps, he does share some of the blame on that. So, uh, but to Derek's point, wish him all the best um, and excited for the future. So I kind of question the timing on all of this here, right? I mean, uh, I think Frost's loyalty to Troy Walters allowed him the benefit of staying with the, uh, staying with Nebraska as long as he has before they moved on, just to see if he could find a new job, just save face a little bit, you know, kind of like what it appears what they did with Javon DeWitt. And it doesn't look like he's hireable by anybody at this point. So he was shown the door. It was the right choice to get rid of him. Uh, I think that Frost got rid of the two weakest coaches on the team and 
that's great. Uh, I wish him the best, but I'm really glad he's gone because he just he just was not a power five coach in my opinion. He wasn't. It, it doesn't look like the players kind of. Uh, you didn't see that. Uh, all the support from the players when he was leaving that you usually see from players on Twitter, you know? Was there I, a lot? I've seen quite a, I've seen quite a few wide Did receivers you? wishing him the best of luck. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I also saw quite a few yeah. wide receivers very excited about the new guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here, here's, my, here's my thing. I, I, to do this kind of to Justin's point here, but how long did Troy Walters know about this? And how long has Scott Frost known about this? Because they hired a guy within three hours of letting him go. Uh, they knew where they were going. Sure. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they haven't. They've been off, set, you know, for shoot seven weeks, and now they're making the move. I mean, I can understand you got to you got to hold on until that initial signing day in December. But right after that, it's it's time to move on and find a place. But I, I just think that with all that being said that they they kept him around just to see if he could find a job just to save face a little bit. And that that's pretty cool for Frost, you know, it's, it's that loyalty. But sometimes that loyalty well, bites you in the ass. And when your replacement's kind of uh coach in waiting who's not even coaching for a year, you kinda of got him in a bag and you don't even have to worry about I mean, unless somebody else hires him away, but I mean he wasn't even coaching. So well, I mean he could let's talk about basically keep him on water and Derek, let's talk about you know, Matt Lubick then. Yeah, Matt Lubick uh, comes in as the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He was on a little uh, bit of a break from college football. Is he a good hire? Derek, that's for you. Oh, well, you didn't really ask me. Usually you direct a little bit better than that. Uh, I, I have mixed emotions. I, I think he's a great wide receivers coach, but his offensive coordinator – uh, I went back and looked uh, at Washington when he was a co-offensive coordinator, and I don't know if he was calling plays, so I don't know I, what, what this meant. But they had Jake Browning there, who was supposed to be a great quarterback, and they ranked 72nd and 61st in passing offense in his two years of being a co-offensive coordinator. Like, that's not great. Uh, his one year of offensive coordinator – at Oregon was 30th, which is respectable. But when he had Frost there, they were 21st and 10th. So, I mean, it kind of dropped off after that. So maybe having the offensive. But he was a passing game coordinator while he was a receivers coach at Oregon. So if he's basically a, the passing game coordinator with the title of offensive coordinator, then maybe he'd be okay. Okay. But I think he's a good hire as far as wide receivers go. But his offensive coordinator capabilities scare me a little bit. Tyler, what do you think about the hire? Well, you know, I tend to agree with Derek quite a bit there. You know, I, I'm not wowed by it. Um, You know, let, let's look at this guy's coaching history a little bit for the people listening. I mean, the guy, you know, he's been coaching football um, since 1995 in some capacity. You know, he kind of made his initial name for himself as a wide receivers coach at Ole Miss. Um, you know, he, he did a nice job there. He bounced around. He went to actually defensive coach at Arizona State for a couple years, went to Duke, and then, you know, his big thing came with Oregon in 2013 through 2016 where he was wide receivers coach and eventually offensive coordinator. Uh, he moved on. He was part of the kind of the demise of Oregon football 
which was you know, the Chip Kelly, you know, Scott Frost, Oregon. He's kind of part of that demise with Helfrich, and then went over to Washington for a year, and then resigned after a season. Which, again, that that two doesn't. Oh, sorry, two seasons. Which wasn't really isn't really a normal thing for people to do in college football, right? You don't see a lot of people just resigning to quit. So was he fired? What was he? I I don't know. Um, you you know, again, you've seen some highs from him, what he did, but the last few years of coaching, it probably kind of underwhelmed a little bit. So I I think he's good at wide receiver. I think there's a chemistry factor with what Frost has. That's going to be, it's going to be very valuable because I think he's going to get what they're trying to do. But, um, yeah, it it is going to be an interesting dynamic. All right, Tyler, uh, what can Matt Lubick do in year one to prove that he's an improvement over Troy Walters? Man, you know, and I, well, I, Justin, you didn't, you didn't really tell us how you felt about the hire. Oh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm really pleased with it. You know, it, I think it's kind of hard to bring in a guy as the quasi offensive coordinator if you're not going to hand off any play calling duties, right? That's that's a really tough uh, get right there. We needed a wide receivers coach. That much we know. I mean, the wide receivers have been poorly developed. We think that we have a lot of talent, but we haven't seen it yet. Uh, it looks like they they have a lot of really good guys in this uh, 2020 class that we just uh, recruited. Uh, so this guy, I think that he, he will do a better job than Troy Walters in developing them and the guys like Nance and Houston uh, that we had last year. So... Is he a splash hire? He's not a splash hire, but I think he's a great fit. He's a great fit for the reasons that Tyler said. You know, he has that chemistry with Scott Frost. I think they can feed off each other. Uh, they can get the offense pointed in the direction. And I think it's kind of exciting in, in that manner, actually. So I, if I had to grade this hire, again, it's not a splash hire by no means, but I think it's A- minus just because of that fit. That fit and having the offense that Scott Frost wants to run, there's familiarity with there with that. And he's a really good recruiter. We we need a recruiter because we got to get the talent into Nebraska to compete with the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Penn State. We need to get that. So anybody that can recruit at that level, uh, it, it's it's going to benefit us. So. Offensive coordinator, screw it. Well, whatever the name is. You you like to use the word passing coordinator. Awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Matt Lubick. I think I think it's kind of funny though how excited you are over this guy, just in the fact that to an extent, which it doesn't bother me like it did you, but you've hammered Frost for hiring all of his buddies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he, all he's all he's essentially done is hired another buddy. Yeah, like it's a guy he worked with at Oregon. They got along with him there at Oregon. That's essentially what he did. He just went out and found another buddy. I mean, I, I would give this like a C plus higher. Really, C oh, plus yeah. higher? I mean, yeah, I'd give it a B plus higher. I think he's a good hire overall. He, he's a you know he's a good recruiter. In you know 2018, he was number 34 in the country. You know, fourth in the Pac-12. He you know he brought in numerous four-star wide receivers to Washington. Like, you know, he his last time in the recruiting did a really nice job, but that was very West Coast recruiting. And this coaching staff has not shown a you know, a lot of West Coast commits. They've definitely recruited more of the Florida, the Texas area. 
So I hopefully they allow him to really kind of handle the West Coast and get that national approach. But, um, but well, yeah. I, I think that's one of the best reasons that this guy's hired is like, the fact that he has a West Coast presence and, and, and that we don't seem to have. And, and and if he and if he goes out there and recruits it, that that's a that is a very good reason to have him on there. So. Hey, Especially with UCLA and USC being so down in recruiting rankings, and they can't seem to pick anybody up. Oh. So if you can go steal some of those four got four star guys from California, man, and if this is the guy the guy that can help you do that, that's great. Oh, that that makes it awesome. That, that makes it a great hire. I do think he's a great recruiter. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I again, I think he's a great recruiter. I just it, it's it, it is an interesting dynamic with the recruiting aspect. I agree with you, Derek. If if they say, "Hey, we want you to be the head of the West Coast guy," go out there and make this. You know, he hasn't been out of coaching that long, where he's lost all of his ties. You think it's so good, but but back to the question that Justin asked about, you know, what does he need to do? You know, I I think he kind of hit that. Is he needs to get more depth in that room? He's got to get depth in that wide receiver, and he's got some tools to do it. We we've raved about this recruiting class. Um, you know, I, I love what we've done at wide receiver, so that depth is important. What I will say though, like I'm not gonna sit here on the podcast, even though a C plus hire, all this stuff, if if next year our true freshmen are not crushing it, like I would love to see it. I, I think it's not out of the question to demand some of these freshmen to step up, but I'm also not gonna hold his feet to the fire. If, if, if it doesn't look drastically different from this year. You're talking about true uh, freshmen, right, Tyler? True freshmen, yes. Okay, but what about yeah. uh, the redshirt freshmen? Yeah, I, mean, I think, again, it, I think it's reasonable to expect them to take a step forward, but, like, am I expecting uh, Darian Chase to be a 700-yard receiver next year or, you know, or Lubrick is a bum? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to say that, but... Again, I would expect some of these guys to take a step forward, but I think he's got a couple years to kind of show that, in my opinion. Again, and again, as a guy who's a C plus, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Well, I told you so, Mister A minus." If we're not seeing a great depth at wide receiver, I think you get a couple years on that. I do have to say this: I haven't been very positive on the staff for you know uh, well over a year, and I am getting absolutely crushed right now by you guys because I think that. Because I'm thinking positive things about the offensive coordinator. This is mind-boggling to me. What we're crushing you on is that you don't like the Mike Dawson hire because it's one of Frost boys. Even though Mike Dawson – no, no. no, That's not true. It's because I think he wants to be in the NFL, and I don't don't think this is is where he wants to be. I think this is a stopping point. And Matt Lubick has coached at like 13 different colleges in his tenure. Like, Since 1995, I, like, okay, I'm, I, I, Derek, my point is, is like 25 Justin, years of coaching. Okay, I mean. Justin, Justin, but my point is, like, he keeps saying, "Well, Mike Dawson wants to be in the NFL. He wants to be a different place." There is no guarantee Travis Fisher is going to be on this staff next year. There's no guarantee any of these guys are going to be around for the long term. Like, no, but Mike Dawson had his chance at Nebraska, and he left after one year, and now he's coming back because he's jobless. That is my point. Second chance. Right, we, anyway. did, we discussed this last we week. We did. Uh, we did. I, I, I would like to get into this conversation a little bit here. Not not the Mike Dawson conversation, the one that we were supposed to be having on what we expect out of uh, Mr. Lubick here. And I, I got to tell you guys, I, I my expectations for him are maybe a little too high, I guess. I don't know. Uh, 
this is this is what I think. Uh, this could be a little long winded. First off, I might apologize already, but look, the, the 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 wide receivers that we have on roster right now, we have a total of six four stars and five three stars. And of those five three stars, three of them are within less than half a point uh, or less than five thousandths of a point of being a four star. Uh, we only have two mid three stars, and I don't know if either one of you can name them. But uh, one of them is incoming Will Nixon, and the other one's J.D. Spielman. Mm-hmm. Right. He's a .86, so he's a mid-three-star. And he's our, he's our star wide receiver. So what I expect out of him is start getting these four, get some four-star uh, results out of these four-star players. Like, let's get these guys coached up to the way they're supposed to be. Uh Another thing I would like to see him do is I went through and I looked at all of his wide receivers that through Oregon and Washington. Just I didn't go any further back than that. But at Washington, I, and I just took our top two wide receivers from last year. We had obviously J.D. Spin with 800 yards and uh, Wondell Robinson a little over 400 yards. So that was like my standards. How many people did you have over 400 yards for receiving? In 13, he had two. And in 14, they had six. Three, three, one, and three in in the last years. So I expect to see at least three guys over four hundred yards. And then I looked at touchdowns. How many how many touchdowns does their wide receivers have? And our, we had one guy with seven with five. Jay Spillman had five, and the next highest guy had two, and that was uh, Wondell Robinson and I believe uh, of I Noah. Now that this is where it gets better. Uh, Thirteen. They had a. They had five guys with more than two, two with two touchdowns. Then seven, four, five, three, and four. So productive receivers. You have the talent here. The numbers prove it. We average a four star rating on on wide receivers. You have the talent here. Let's get it out of them. Let's make some production out of them. And I expect some recruiting out of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we talked about his good recruiting. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of. Go on. I told you guys before I was going to kind of change the subject here for a second. But I want to get into recruiting just a smidge here. And I want to talk about how good of a job Scott Frost's staff has truly done in recruiting for Nebraska compared to what we thought he would do. Uh, this year we have two top 50 recruiters. And, and, and our third guy was 53rd, and that was Troy Walters. Uh, so I went. I went back over because I was kind of curious when the last time Nebraska had two top fifty uh, recruiters in the same season. And does anybody can anybody answer that question? When was the last time we had two top fifty recruiters in a single season? My guess would be under Callahan, two thousand six. I'd say five. Two thousand seven, oh. and that was Bill Bush and John Watson. And they were ranked 21st and 43rd, respectively. Wow. Uh, and, and, and Frost has had a top 50 recruiter every year so far in his recruiting classes. Two of them have been held. One of the last years was Fisher and held. Uh, Riley never had a top 50 recruiter on his staff. Bo Pelini had a recruiting or top 50 recruiter twice, and it was Barney Cotton both times. Wow. And that was in 2010 and 2008. Okay. So since 2010, we hadn't even had a, a top 50 recruiter. 
at Nebraska until Ryan Held got here. So, so give kudos to some of these guys that are really stepping up and recruiting at Nebraska. We're getting the talent here, and I know the record's not showing it yet, but it's showing signs of improvement for sure. Yeah, I just need to get, find guys in there to uh, develop that talent. And, again, we weren't seeing any development out of the wide receivers, so the change was necessary. It's all necessary. young talent, though. It is. It's, it's all young talent. Change is necessary. Sometimes. I'm not saying the change was a horrible change. I, I, don't, ha- I don't hate it. I, 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 would, I would lean more towards I like it more than I hated it. Well, but, all right, Derek, so let me ask you this. Does the hiring of Matt Lubick as offensive coordinator, does that change your season expectations for the offense? Uh, yes and no. I, I, I want to say yes because I expect more out of our wide receivers. Like I, but I kind of expected more out of our wide receivers even if Troy Walters was going to stay here. Like I, I was expecting more out of our wide receivers no matter what. I, I think you have a year of talent or, you know, uh, you, you know, we're going to get into that question here in a little bit. I'll, I'll say that later. Uh, I, I just expect more. I Last year was a shit show for offense, and I expect more. Part of it's offensive line, too. Like, they struggled a lot last year. Right. So it's not just wide receivers. Okay. Tyler, what about you? Does Matt Lubick change your season expectations for the offense? It, no, no, not at this point. No, I, I think here, here is here is something that's not working for in his favor. You know, we just brought in what I felt was arguably the best offensive uh, wide receiver class we've brought in. You know, and in my memory of all those great wide receivers, only one of them is an early enrollee, Elante Brown. Okay, so I, I'm really high on Darian Chase and Houston from last year, but it, it is. Like really hot, I, I, I'm high on. I'm not really, really high. But do I expect them to make this huge leap in year two? I don't. I don't know if Sean McVay could get in there and make these guys all Americans right now. Right now, I just think there's an element of attrition of just getting these guys in the system and building them up. Again, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm down on the guy. I think that the guy can win. I think he can turn this locker room around, but. I, I don't see his presence here being this oh my god splash all of a sudden wide receivers are gonna we're we're gonna have three all American wide receivers. I just I don't know if I'm seeing that progress. So to answer the question at this point I'd say minimal to what I thought two weeks ago. Minimal improvement. Well I don't think anybody in the world ever was expecting us to have three all American wide receivers. Okay, first off. Second off, my my standard right now is beating last year's standard, which again had one four hundred yard receiver and one eight hundred yard receiver. So can we get more than two guys with more than four hundred yards and two touchdowns? I don't know. I mean I mean we, we we, if, if we can't then, then there was no point in getting rid of Troy Walters. If you're talking wide receiver position, okay, there's a big question mark on what Wando Robinson's role is going to be next year. Okay, is there? I think so. Elaborate. Is you do you? I don't sit here today. I I if I'm picking where I think he's going to play next year, I'm leaning towards wide receiver. 
but I'm not sitting here with certainty and not believing that the guy is going to line up more in the backfield than at wide receiver. Really? And, and I, I'm not convinced of that. I'm not. Um, I, if I, I, I think if you I, have if to. I, I think, I think 60, he's way 40. more skill at the wide receiver position than the running back position. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to make that assessment yet. I, I think that he did a good job at wide receiver last year. I, I Again, I'd say 60-40. Right now I'm 60% sure he's going to be a primary wide receiver. Again, what his role is and how many carries he's going to get, you know we're going to use him all over the field. But is he going to turn into a 12-13 carry a game guy or is he going to be a 3-4 to four carry a game guy? That's really the question. I, I think there's a lot of weapon. I think there's better depth at wide receiver than running back. If you take his name out of the equation, I think that's I, I I would be shocked if anyone would argue differently. So I again I think there's question marks on that. So back to the Derek thing of can we get two? Can we get was it more than two four hundred yard receivers? Yeah. I I I would. So you had. St- I, when's the last time we've had more than two four hundred yard receivers? Was it two thousand? Was it Mike Riley in two thousand sixteen? Or 17? Because, you know, we had Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman carry a lot of the load. And they, and those guys boomed. I would probably go back to the uh, Nunwa, J, uh, Kenny Bell, and Jordan Westerkamp. And I don't even know if that happened. That's a lot of receiving yards for guys. Okay. Okay. Then I'll, then I'll change it to this. If you cannot get me more than at least three guys with over 400 yards receiving, then get me two guys with 800 yards receiving. Fair point. Fair point. And that's probably more likely, right? Because if you said if you went three guys over 400, you got to assume J.D. Spielman is, is going to at least do 800 unless he gets injured. And and if that happens, and you let's just say you have two guys hit 400, I mean, that's 1,600 yards with three guys. I mean, I don't think that's hard to do. I mean, Omar Manning, I mean, you don't, you're, are you not expecting big numbers from Omar Manning and Wondell Robinson? I think you I, can have three guys with over six hundred. I, I, I like well, Omar Manning because Omar, Omar Manning finally gives uh, whoever the quarterback may be. I'm going to lean with uh, Martinez still, but uh, it gives him an outlet, like a six foot four wide receiver outlet. You're right, and I like Omar that he has I, not I, had for this year. He or, hasn't. He hasn't had it since he's been here. I love Omar, but are you guys at all concerned that? Omar Manny is not going to be in school for spring ball. Okay. I mean, does, that, does that not concern you at all? Maurice Washington wasn't in, on campus until a week before fall practice started. Fair point. Fair po- yeah, and he had a great I, freshman year. He did. And this guy's it, not a freshman. He's a JUCO. He is. Yeah. One of the I, best I just, JUCOs. One of the best JUCOs, 100%. I mean, I like Omar. I do. I, I, again, but I if, if – if you ask me to now two and a half wide receivers over four hundred yards, I would take the under on that. You're nuts. Give me that line. I take the over on that all day long. <laughs> all day long. I'm feeling optimistic this episode, guys. This offense is going to light it up now that we have uh, Matt Lubick in, tearing it up. <laughs> hey guys. No. I, I think the I think the offensive line is going to improve tenfold this year. I think that's why the offensive line or the offense is going to move way better. But I, I do think that Matt Lubick will help a lot. All right, guys. I, I, again, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I, I want to ask you this question here. So uh, we've seen two coaching changes over the last week with uh, uh, Dawson 
uh, Dawson coming in, a little bit coming in, right? Uh, do you think that there's going to be any other assistant coaches on the staff uh, that could be, maybe be on the hot seat after next year? Tanner? Did you skip a question? No. I thought you did. Anyway, yes, 100%. I think that virtually every coach at this point with maybe the exception of Scott Frost in year three, could be on the hot seat. Um, you know, Rude is a guy that comes to my mind, head, name, and I don't want to go picking on coaches, but I have not been overly impressed with the middle linebacker development. Um, he is a guy that could definitely be there. I wasn't overly impressed with their defensive line per- progression last year. I mean, defense as a whole, I think there there are a lot of the coaches that could definitely fall. I think the guys that you would say are pretty safe in their jobs are Travis Fisher and Ryan Held. I think those are the two guys that I sit there and I'm saying, okay, besides the new coaches, those are like the two guys I'm like, one and Scott Frost are the guys I'm like, they're safe. They're safe. And everyone else, yeah, I think there there's question marks if they don't take step forwards that they could be up in the air. Derek, what do you think? I don't think it's quite that broad. I, Tony Tuyoti, he's, he's not going anywhere. Mike Dawson's not going to be on a hot seat. He just got hired. I agree with that. Uh, uh, Barrett Rude, I I don't see it. Maybe, maybe it could happen. I, I We'll see what happens, I guess, this year. He's one that maybe could be on a hot seat. The, the two names that come to my mind probably the most, and I want, you guys are probably going to laugh me on one of them, but uh, Greg Austin and Sean Becton are the two that would probably be my next two on the top of the list of being on a hot seat. If that offensive line can't take a step forward, I understand that Greg Austin's recruiting some really good guys, and people like Turner Corcoran and uh, uh, Bryce, oh, Benhart. Bryce Benhart. And well, at any rate, we're get, we're getting some offensive line guys in here, and I understand that Ryan Held's helped him recruit those guys quite a bit too. Uh, but we're, we're we're just not we didn't see a big step forward. It didn't seem like in the offensive line. And now this year you're re, you're returning all offensive line. I expect a huge step forward out of that. And if that can't happen, I could see him being on a hot seat. Uh, Sean Becton's my other guy. And 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 look, I I, I kind of want to give the guy a pass because maybe we don't have the style of tight ends that the staff is looking for. You know, they were looking for somebody like Katerian Legrone, who now has a better chance of playing with the mean machine with Burt Reynolds and Adam Sandler and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the only other guy we got that we've picked up in the last two years is Chris Hickman. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to hammer the guy on recruiting, but if, if Jack Stoll and Kurt Raftall and Austin Allen – aren't the style of tight ends that you're looking for, then why aren't you out recruiting the style of, of tight ends that you're looking for? I'm surprised none of you two, maybe not surprised. Uh, I, I thought maybe one of you two would say Shenander could be on the hot seat after next year. Do you guys see any scenario where he could be? Yeah. I, I get The only two guys I think that, okay, the two new coaches I think are safe. I think Dawson and Lubick are both safe. I think Travis Fisher and Ryan Held are 100% safe. I think after that, everyone else is up there. 
as potential changes if we don't see major progress. Okay. I, here, here's my thing with Shenander, and I, 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 I don't understand the the wanting for people to get rid of Shenander. And there's a lot of it on Twitter. My my thing with him is that's the only area that this team's seen any improvement on statistically. Like we went from the hundreds to the sixties in most categories. Like it was, I mean, it was, maybe it's not the step forward everybody wanted, but it was still a decent sized step forward. Now you're losing a lot of guys on defense. So I think you could stay about the same. You maybe maybe get a little bit of improvement, uh, and he's safe. A small step back, I think he's probably still okay. If he goes back to the hundreds and ranking and all the categories, then yeah, he's probably probably a pretty hot seat. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he would. Well, I'll, I'll agree with you, Sean Beckton. I think he is definitely a candidate candidate to uh, have a warm seat. And then I, I have Shenander also. I, I really do. The, the the only problem with Becton and is he's got that he's got such great recruiting skills down there in Florida. Him and Travis Fisher really lock up Florida for us. So you you kind of hate to lose that, but we got to start seeing something out of our tight ends too, because Scott Frost does in his offenses like to use tight ends. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. Uh, to hear from another great podcast on the BigHeadsMedia.com network. Stay up to date with the latest in Major League Baseball with the End of the Shift Baseball Podcast. Are you tired of the same old way baseball writers complain about the new changes in the game? Well, this is not the show for you. The End of the Shift Podcast with a modern take on what makes baseball great. And the ball will be hit into the shift. They get an out. It's only because of that shift. And they do. That's why you follow the numbers. Join co-hosts Max Gross and Kyle McRaby for weekly updates every Sunday night. Or find us on Twitter at Into the Shift Pod. It's the Into the Shift Baseball Podcast. All right, guys. Uh, let's uh, touch on recruiting a little bit here. Uh, signing day is here in two weeks from today for the February signing period. Uh, is there any position that Nebraska should target uh, from here up until signing day? Or is there any position that you would li- like to see signed? Go ahead, Tyler. Well, you know, I, I think the answer is 100% yes, I would love to see more people sign. And I think this question, you know, is I think we could always use more talent. But if you ask me a position that I would like, not that I think we're actually going to achieve I, I, I still would love to see a little bit more out of that inside backer position. Um, you know, I've heard people talk about Keyshawn Green transitioning to a middle backer. I'm still not convinced that's happening. If he doesn't, then we probably only brought in one middle backer in this class. And while I do like a lot of our freshman depth, it's a lot of unproven depth. And I, if I had my dream scenario, if we could go grab another, you know, high three star or four star middle backer, I, I would. That would be on the top of my birthday wish list. Um, is because I think that's a position that I, I wouldn't mind seeing at least one more body in her camp. Derek, what about you? What position would you like to see signed in this February signing period? I don't have a specific position. In fact, I'm not even really, you only have two spots left last I seen. Uh, I'm I'm not convinced 
wholeheartedly that you really ought to be going after a JUCO or a freshman. I think you save those two scholarships for maybe a grad transfer or maybe a walk-on. I'd probably rather see the grad transfer than a walk-on get a scholarship. But it's always fun to see the walk-on guys get a scholarship too. But So I was looking at 24-7 and looking at the transfer portal, and I don't know how much you guys have actually gone in there and looked, but if you go in there and look, you can actually go and change it to where you can find who is immediately eligible and, and just narrow it down to just those guys. And so if there's a position that they're looking for, like say, Tyler, you want an inside backer, go in there and look at those linebackers because there's some high four-star linebackers that are immediately eligible. One of them is out of Clemson. It's like a .97. Uh, go, go get one of those guys. So go yeah. get somebody who's been in college for a while. Why go get another freshman that isn't going to be able to help you much this year anyway? So if you only have two spots left, my 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 position on this would be go after some guys who already have some experience and maybe get some other guys in here to help immediately. That's a great take, Derek. And 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 by all means, I, I agree with you. If we could bring in a transfer guy, I guess I would consider that as a commit. I mean, you look at the way they count it. Some of the transfers we brought in this year, they count for this class. Or, or they're at least part of the roster. I, I, yeah, if that's on the table, then I would 100% do that. Um, and, and I'm also with you that I don't think it's a necessity. I, I'm definitely at this point with only two scholarship spots left. I'm not bringing on a guy in, in all peace and love because I know three stars can hit, but I'm not bringing on a, another low three-star guy. I, I just don't think that's a necessary move just to – you know, try to add some depth. I think we were pretty good at most positions. Um, again, if obviously if we could bring in talent, we always want to do that. And if that's a transfer, grad transfer, another true freshman, I want to do it. That's why I said if we could bring in a guy who's a high three star, four star, I think those are guys that, of course, we want to add to this roster. There's one position that I would like to see added. And that's at the tight end position. Uh, we have five tight ends on scholarship right now. Four of those guys are either a junior or senior. Uh, Chris Hickman, he's a redshirt freshman. So we only have one freshman or sophomore tight end. I think for the future, I would like to see a tight end to be added to that. Now, I know you, maybe you can go out and get a tight end you know, off the, as a grad transfer. But I think to develop a tight end the way that you really want to use tight ends, pick one up now. Go get one right now uh, just to build for the future. He's not going to contribute this year by no means. I mean, Chris Hickman, he was a big-body guy. He didn't really contribute last year. But uh, that is the only position that I is a must. I'm with you, Derek. I mean, I think – I think uh, if you can save it for a grad transfer, especially of a quality guy like that that can come in immediately and help, go for it. Go for it. But if you got to, bring in a tight end. That's well, and, and I will also say, and if we could bring in a transfer who even has to sit out a year but has good upside, I, I immediate eligibility is always – it's sexy. It's great. It's for the future. But, you know, if a guy has to sit out a year – I, I'm not against it, especially a tight end. Like, if the guy has to sit out for a year, I mean, that we don't need him this year. Um, 
I can't. I'm blanking on the kid's name from Rutgers, but um, the transfer. Travis Volkolek. Yeah, the, he was scout yeah. team offensive MVP. I think, you know, he's obviously a guy that could contribute this year. I, again, I just go back to that inside backer position, and, and while I'm very optimistic and hopeful that a guy like uh, um, Jackson Hanna or you know all these guys can probably hopefully step up, that's just a position group in my opinion that is just. God, after after our starters or the guys you think are going to be starters, one injury. I mean, you're playing a guy who's never played a snap of, or virtually never played a snap in D one. Yeah, and that that's a very scary thought to me. So the more chips you could put into that, you know, again, we might not need him. He may not need him. Hopefully, the guys play. But I think just you know, it, it's he it just gives you a little bit more ammo of the better shot of a guy hitting. All right, well, the show is winding down. It's time for the last call segment. Oh, Derek, you got hey, one hey, more thing, Before right? you move on, I, I, I kind of want to hash some old, old, old questions that we went over because I, ha- I had another take on how I, – I thought we were – we kind of over went over this, but uh, how can Lubick be a, prove that he's better than Troy Walters? You want to know how he could prove that? Let's see Javon McQuitty actually do something. Yeah. A guy's a high four star or a mid four star guy that two coaches have now coached him, and nobody's been able to get anything out of him. If this guy wants to prove to me he's that great of a coach, let's see him get something out of that guy. Well, if he's still on the roster, <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be fantastic, Derek. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's even like that. I mean, is that a miracle if that happens at this point? I mean, it really shouldn't be. I mean, he's a four-star guy. You would think he'd be able to contribute. There's he's been also a been, lot of four-stars that's never panned out, man. Yeah, but even last year during his spring game, we all sat here and said, oh, McQuitty, he's going to be great next year. Then he never saw the field. I, I get it, but he's also the a guy who's battled a lot of injuries. And while, yes, he's a four-star guy out of high school, and, yeah, you believe the guy's got talent, um, it gets to a point in time you just wonder how much that wear and tear has really gotten to him. All right. I apologize for going back so far. We can go. We can move on to last call. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Last call to you, Tanner. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you guys through a loop here. I'm gonna actually. I had thought of a different last call and I forgot I was gonna do this one. But I'm gonna. My last call is to Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini is getting a lot of uh, buzz as a potential replacement to LSU for defensive coordinator. Obviously, Husker fans are looking at this very closely. But I'm going to ask you guys this. Do you think at this point that is a good move for LSU to bring Bo Pelini in? I, absolutely. I, look, I, I know you guys don't like Bo Pelini. That's fine. Uh, he's not a good head coach. We, he proved himself that. And he's proved himself that at two different schools now. Uh, but a defensive coordinator, he was always a good defensive coordinator. He did well at Nebraska. He did well at Oklahoma. He did great at uh, LSU last time he was there. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good fit for him. I, I Absolutely. Yeah, Carl will definitely come down to uh, Louisiana party with Bo down there, down in Baton Rouge. <laughs> I mean, the Pelini brothers are tear up that town for sure. No, I, I think could, it's – Could I, you imagine the hot-headed Pelini and Ed Orgeron conversations – Oh, yeah, wow. you shut the f up. I, I, that's why I don't think it works. I don't think that Bo <laughs> Pelini and Ed Orgeron 
My God, I, I can't imagine that working at all. You know why? Because Bo Pelini coaches defense from the sideline, not from the booth like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Last call to you, Derek. <laughs> All right, I, I'm going to get back into the transfer portal. I know I talked about this earlier, but uh, Nebraska's had a few players who have officially entered the transfer portal, and Pernell Jefferson and Jerron Woodyard. Jerron Woodyard was pretty well expected. He I, he was supposed to be a senior this year. We weren't really supposed to get him back anyway. He, he uh, applied for an extra year of eligibility. He received it, but he said then that if he received it, he was going to transfer. So to see him in there didn't surprise me any. Uh, Pernell Jefferson, we talked about him not being on a roster anymore as of, I think, last week. So to see him in the transfer portal did not surprise me. What surprised me when I looked at the transfer portal was Wondell Robinson, or I'm sorry, not Wondell Robinson, Maurice Washington. Don't scare I apologize. us. Don't scare us. <laughs> Maurice Washington was announced to be in the transfer portal like a month ago, and he is still not in the transfer portal according to the transfer portal. So I found that odd, and I kind of wonder what's going on with that situation. Maybe he's just done with football. I don't know. That that, is, that sounds weird to me. I, I'm not sure what's up with that guy. And honestly, guys, I just don't care as long as he's not here. Just don't care. Tanner? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I To the point of Derek, I, it is weird to me that he didn't get into it. Um you know, I just I feel like guy that young individual has got a lot going on in his life, and I don't know if he's thinking about football right now. I I do believe if he was in the transfer portal, he is a guy that would get a look. The other names that Derek mentioned, I mean, I don't know where they're transferring to. I can't imagine any Division One school taking them at this point. Um, I I don't know what you're trying to get with that. Rutgers might take him. I mean, now that Greg Shiana's there, he's getting all kinds of transfers there. He's getting transfers that you would not believe. I mean, uh, what's the uh, Wisconsin wide receiver? Uh, Krusek. Krusek, there you go. He went to Rutgers, and they just got a defensive lineman from Michigan there. Ooh, Greg Shiano's he's building an empire. He's paying out already. Yep. Tyler, you hate him, but that man's a winner. He can win the game of life. All right, last call to me. And my last call is going to go out to Bob Arum, if he can pull this off. Now, Bob Arum is proposing a two-fight deal for Bud Crawford and Conor McGregor. One fight to be fought by MMA rules and the other one to be fought in boxing. You know what? I'm a huge Bud Crawford fan. I hate Conor McGregor. I did watch him last week. Whooped the crap out of Cowboys' ass, but that's a different story. But this is something that I would pay for the pay-per-view, both fights, just to see this happen. Is it a gimmick? Of course it's a gimmick. Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor was a gimmick. And it paid off. It was highly entertaining. And I think this fight right here would have that entertaining impact. Nobody else wants to fight Bud Crawford, Earl Spence, Thurman, none of those guys. So make this happen. Love it. Tyler. I'm intrigued. I hate it. Conor McGregor needs to stick to UFC. Crawford needs to stick to boxing. I don't want to see these fights. 
I, I don't think, I think Crawford would knock McGregor out in boxing, and I don't think there's a shot Crawford would win in MMA. Now, I will say I would give Crawford a little bit better shot in MMA than uh, McGregor in boxing, but I, I, I just, I think in the end, both of these are really non-competitive fights. Um, I, I, I honestly don't want to see it. I, I love, I love Bud. I, I, Connor's intriguing as hell, but yeah, I, I don't like it. And Bob Aaron, by the way, is arguably in the top in Mount Rushmore of the most douchey people in sports. Like, that, if you ever listen to that guy talk, I am not a Bob. That he, he is full of shit. And you know, he, for years he talked about MMA. For years he talked about how MMA was human cockfighting, and now he can't get his promotions up. So he is like trying to piggyback and get in that UFC. Because he wants to make money. I, I am not a Bob Arum guy. That's what a boxing promoter is. All boxing promoters are freaking evil scum. Don King, who's, who's a great Don American, King. by the way. Great American. Great American. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, crazy. Derek, what do you think? If you pay for the pay-per-view, FaceTime me. I'll watch it over that. Yeah, we've done that before. It's a great way to watch <laughs> watch pay-per-view events if you do not want to pay for it. Stick your phone in front of the TV and just let it sit. <laughs> just remember to take that little phone when you and your buddies go out to drink beer so you don't have to stay inside with the wives. Embarrassing. Anyway, guys, good episode. It's time to get out of here. Special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow us on at Husker Cuzcast on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and BigEdsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, pitches, again inside the tent.